Welcome to episode four of the Talking Skiing Podcast. I'm Lenny Joseph, and thanks for listening. So far, we've had great response to the podcast, and I want to thank you once again for checking it out. If you like what you hear, make sure you leave a review, hit the subscribe button, and tell all your fellow snow enthusiasts about the podcast. This episode features world-traveling skier and Leave a Trace Ski and Ride Foundation founder and president, Ashley Tarrant. We catch up with Ashley to find out more about her nonprofit, her early life as a ski racer, her time away from skiing, her return to skiing, and her travels along the way. Let's get right into this episode of the Talking Skiing Podcast. Ashley, how's it going? It's going good. Yeah, thanks for coming on the Talking Skiing Podcast. Uh, got your name uh, from from a couple Sun Valley boys that said, hey, you got to reach out to Ashley and uh, talk with Ashley. She's got all sorts of uh, ski stories. So I thought I'd I'd uh, reach out to you and I'm glad once again that you could come on and, and uh, talk with us uh, here today. Right on. Yeah. And uh, Ashley, uh, you uh, grew up uh, ski racing and uh, you actually went to the Romark Ski Academy, right? I did. Yeah. And tell me a little bit about that. Was that a, a full-blown skiing school? Yeah, uh, it was affiliated with Roland Hall St. Mark's, which is a school that I went to from well, kindergarten on to 11th grade. And we would, so once I got onto Romark in high school, we'd ski every day from Monday. No, we had Mondays off and then we'd ski every other day of the week. Uh, We'd head up to the mountain at 12 noon, start school at seven, go to school until 12 and then head up to Snowbird or Solitude to train. Okay. So you got, yeah, you got plenty of skiing in then. Yeah. Yeah. How far did the the racing uh, take you? Uh, It took me to JO's and then I blew my knee out in uh, Copper Mountain early season training in November. And then I was kind of useless at the ski academy and limped along through my junior year. Then uh, my aunt and uncle had just been transferred from Dhaka, Bangladesh to Islamabad. And they said, hey, if you want to come do your senior year over here in Pakistan, you're welcome to and the government will pay for it. And I had always been curious about that area. And so I'm like, sure, (laughs) why not? I got nothing left in the States to do. So I went over there finished up high school in Pakistan and then stayed over and traveled for another year in in Asia, uh, the subcontinent, mainly Pakistan, India, and Thailand, a little bit in Nepal, Sri Lanka. Uh, I bought a bike in Singapore and rode it from Singapore to Bangkok on my own. And that was an adventure. (laughs) Wow. Uh, So you just packed up, uh, you could have spent high school there in the, the Salt Lake area. And instead, you just packed up and, and went to Pakistan to, to finish high school and then just traveled around after that. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, it was cool. When I was in my senior year in Islamabad, I requested to study the local language. And they said, uh, we don't offer it for high school. And I said, that's ridiculous. I want to learn the local language. So they hooked me up with the school secretary and I had one-on-one language classes with her. So I got pretty uh, comfortable with Urdu and could read a little bit and get on the train and go somewhere, go where I wanted to go, or I could read that I was going the wrong place and kind of correct that and <laughs> made it through unscathed in Pakistan, traveling on my own at age 19. 
Mm-hmm. And then you ended up coming back, I guess, to the States and, and going to school in Hawaii? Yeah, I did a year at Western where I ski raced for them, Western Washington up in Bellingham, and then um, met a guy and got pregnant and moved down to Maui with our three-month-old baby and stayed there for five years and then uh, split up and I moved over to the big island on the Puna side where the volcano went through, (laughs) Mm -hmm. finished up college, started grad school, did a master's in ed. And so I taught down there for a couple of years and then moved up to the mainland, did some teaching in the local schools in Southern Oregon. Sure. So did you just stop skiing pretty much uh, once you went to Pakistan and until you came back to the, the mainland? Yeah, I forgot all about it. Uh, I, I got into spearfishing and totally forgot about skiing. And then when I moved to uh, just outside Ashland, I got hired blind to coach for the uh, Mount Ashland Race Association. And the last skis I had been on had been Atomic Art 205s. And they handed me a pair of Rossignol 158 slaloms. <laughs> what, what do I do with these? Yeah, that's about the complete opposite of the uh, the two hundred fives and, and the you know everybody. If you had a pair of skis that were were under two hundreds, uh, you know back back when I was growing up and when you were growing up, uh, you know you were you were looked down upon as having skis that wouldn't handle anything. They wouldn't you wouldn't be able to get down through stuff. And then you, they switched it up to one fifty eight. Oh yeah, no, I missed everything. I I left Ski World when Solomon was making cap skis. And I, me and my buddies thought, oh, that's never going to (laughs) work. And uh, then I come back and we got parabolic and uh, carvers. It's fun. And once you got back into skiing, were you in full bore? I mean, you're coaching racing and just fall back in love with it? Yeah. And I I got introduced to backcountry skiing even before Mount Ashland opened that year, like, it was my first time back on skis in over 15 years. So uh, I, I think some of the first turns I made were I carried up my big, huge Technica boots in a backpack and some Solomon screams <laughs> and I used snowshoes. And my buddy was on something light, probably black diamonds with skins on it. And I knew like that day, I know what I'm buying. So I went and bought the gear and uh, started the December 07 to make turns all, all year, every month. And I was on a roll up until September of 19 when I had to get an ACL replacement. Wow. So you, uh, you skied every month of the year, uh, found a place to ski, hiked up, even if it was just Short little shots, uh, you know, somewhere tucked into the shade uh, for what is that? That's uh, about 10 years, a little over 10 years. I think it's 12. I think 12. Yeah. My math is not so good. I did go to Western. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <me too. laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, that's a long time. I mean, was there some times in there when you were hiking and, and had to find a place to go ski and August and in September when there's just not much snow around? Yeah, that was hard because in Southern Oregon, I'd go to Shasta for my September and October days and I'd be hiking like eight miles to find some snow, but it was glacier. So I was finding ice to slide down. Yeah. Just to say you made some turns. Take a picture, document it. Yep. I did it. That's awesome. And, and then you, yeah, you're kind of out uh, with the ACL uh, surgery and then, and then pretty much the whole world changed uh, here about, uh, I guess we're working on, you know, close to a year here now, eight, nine months ago. 
And tell me a little bit about this uh, program that, that you started, I guess, what, last year, more or less, or the beginning of this year, called Leave a Trace Ski and Ride Foundation, and, and how you got going with that. So that the idea was kind of born of, uh, I was watching a video as soon as they let me on the treadmill to start running. There's all these videos that you can watch of people doing cool things. And one of the videos I saw was of some kids, bro bras, skiing in Georgia, where I've skied a couple times. And they're hopping over people's like cook stoves and disturbing the goats and the grannies and and you're talking Georgia, I guess, would that be Russia or, or Soviet Union? Uh, it, former Soviet Union, a place called Gudari. And I, I didn't dig it. I saw that they used the poverty as a backdrop to make it more extreme or more exotic. And uh, that's where the idea came from. I thought, you know, I, I'm guilty of it, too. I went over to a lot of crazy places and skied and didn't leave anything behind. So I thought what I want to do next time I go back I want to leave whatever gear I brought over especially if I'm getting it for free like why wouldn't I leave it there and then not have to haul it back but uh my idea is to get like free ride gear over to these countries so that people who want to get into free ride big mountain skiing they have an opportunity to when you were traveling around uh, the world skiing and, and into some of these places did you did you notice that they were just skiing on really old gear or just really kind of just makeshift gear yeah i did i did in in kyrgyzstan i saw some pretty janky stuff <laughs> and uh in morocco it seemed like it came probably it went from saint anton to turkey and finally ended up in in morocco or or in uh kyrgyzstan and i thought hey this is nobody's filling this niche right now it's something that i'd love to do and uh, got online to see how to make a 501c3 and typed it out, created a board and uh, bam, it was on. <laughs> and uh, I had I had been in Morocco the year before with my dad traveling around. So I'd met a cool guide there and I called him up on WhatsApp and said, hey, I'm going to come over. I've got miles and people donated extra miles and I'm going to bring over a bunch of skis and Let's make it happen. Get get the Berbers on on some big skis and let them rip. And you were able to to do that. Get over there and drop off some skis. Yeah, I did. I I when I went to check in at United that morning, I had filled a bag of skis. I had taken the bindings off and put them in a duffel bag. So I had a bag of seven pairs of boards to give away and a pair for me to ski and a duffel bag full of bindings and handed the check-in people the papers for my 501c3 and they're like sure we'll comp it oh that's perfect yeah you'll see it in marrakesh <laughs> and it all showed up and you were able to to give away the pairs of skis and 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 get in a ski trip as well right yeah yeah and they had better snow than they had the year before and um for 30 euros i got the chairlift three lift operators and a guide who showed me like where the rocks are. And <laughs> he couldn't speak any English and I didn't know any Berber or French or Arabic. And so uh, we kind of point at things and I'd ask him how to say it in Berber and he'd give me the word. And uh, I only remember a couple words, but it was enough like, uh, 
Ishwa meant good. So I'd point at a line and say Ishwa, and he'd say Ishwa, Ishwa. So that's how we communicated. And I skied with him for two days. And then at the end of the end of that time, I gave him my uh, vocal 108s with climbing bindings, some marker barons and some climbing skins. And he was speechless. It was really cool. <laughs> he didn't know what had hit him. Uh, so, yeah, that made me feel great. And, and you didn't mention that you were going to be giving him uh, a pair of skis up until, you know, pretty much the end of, of your time together? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I bet he was super excited. Oh yeah. He, he, he couldn't, he couldn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, with the leave a trace ski and ride foundation kind of just getting going here over the last year or so, I, I would imagine you probably had some big plans to make another trip back, uh, you know, to another spot that you could drop off some skis and then with COVID and, and travel restrictions, that's, it's sort of uh, impossible for the most part right now. What, what do you, uh, doing with the uh, Leave a Trace Ski and Ride Foundation in light of the events that have taken place over the last eight months or so? Well, um, things have finally picked up again. Uh, I'm working with a fellow in northern Pakistan who has a, a ski club called Hunza Ski Club. Uh, lots of little kids. And they are currently skiing on rain gutters with leather straps. Wow. So uh, I'm going to try to gather up kids ski gear to get over there in a container. And I've got local people donating me stuff. And actually, uh, Jason donated a pair of uh, atomic like free ride skis. It will be cool for the coach. And as soon as I have probably 10 sets, skis and ski boots, I will put them in a crate and I'm going to approach the uh, the U.S. Embassy in Islamabad and see if they have any kind of grants or interest in helping me fund the shipping of the gear. Mm-hmm. And we're talking our buddy, uh, Jason Hayes, who, who lives out there in uh, the Sun Valley area. And that, that's awesome. And now you're skiing Mount Bachelor as your home mountain. And how long have you been, been doing that? I started over, well, I started coming here recreationally in 07. And then I found that I was coming here a lot, a lot, a lot for 10 years. And uh, once my daughter graduated high school, I was able to sell my place in Southern Oregon and buy a place here in Sun River. And uh, now I can easily commute but I started teaching for them about six years ago so I'd come over either in my camper and camp in the parking lot or if I was really dirt bagging it I'd come over in my subi and camp at one of the snow parks and try to make sure that none of the supervisors <laughs> knew <laughs> what a dirt bag I was <laughs> yeah and you you were just uh you know teaching skiing and and uh, just making it making it work huh yeah, and it wasn't even for the money. It was just because I wanted the the lifestyle and uh, the free pass, and I love to teach, and I always got hooked up with ripping kids, and it was a blast. Yeah, and, and you've kind of taken that uh, ski teaching and ski instructing pretty far. You were actually a recipient of the Nancy Oaks Hall uh, Women's Scholarship, and tell me a little bit about that. Uh, that is a scholarship for women through PSIA and uh, just to either go work through your certifications or uh, work towards demo team or national team. And um, yeah, I got that. I won that in 
think they notified me in November. And uh, that was two months after my ACL surgery. So I told my surgeons, I'm like, I got to be ready to ski by March because I won this free trip to Snowbird and I'm in the Cliff Lodge and I get to train with ladies from the national team. And they said, okay, I, you know what to do. You do your PT double time. And I did. They, they signed me off in February so I could go to Morocco and ski there and then did a little skiing in Italy and Austria and then came back to the States. And the next day I went to Snowbird for this, uh, the women's summit. And, and so you were able to, to get that in and then things shut down pretty quickly right after that. I was kind of the, the domino started falling for ski areas and it was one week they were open and, and then it's like, maybe they'll be open this weekend. And then all of a sudden it was, well, we're closing, everything's closing. And, uh, that was sort of it for, for the most part for the season. Were you able to get out this last summer and make some turns again uh, in some spots? Are you back on the streak? I'm back. I mean, even after Snowbird, I went up to Whistler for about five days. And uh, then when I got back, things were really shutting down. I, I, I hit the grocery store when I was coming back from the airport and I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm going to stay at home for a month now. And, uh, and they had closed Mount Bachelor, they had closed access for uphill skiing and nobody did anything for a month. Uh, but then it gradually opened other, other places were a bit more lenient. I went to Hoodoo and did a good solid week of camping and skiing there and got a couple days at Mount Hood. I got a day at Crystal. That was a blast. And then I, I hit a rock at Mount Hood on the 17th of June and I shattered my tibia plateau. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that was devastating. Yeah. That's not a, that's, I mean, cause you've had, I, I was trying to keep track. You've, you've had a couple ACL uh, blowouts and then, and now this, uh, what was it? Tibia plateau, you said? Yeah. Tibia plateau and it broke my tib and fib and they didn't know if my ACL had survived. Um, but five months later, I'm back on the snow. It all, it all worked. It healed. <laughs> it's a miracle. Yeah. Wow. Uh, nothing's going to keep you from, from the, from skiing and, and the snow. That's for sure. It sounds like, uh, some other people probably would have taken, taken a little bit longer to, to heal up and, uh, be pretty tentative getting back on some snow, but uh, there you are, you're ready to go. And, and I was trying to catch up with you here this week and you're already back uh, pretty much every day, you know, getting ready for this upcoming season as far as instructing goes, right? Yep. Yep. I got a couple days at Sun Valley on lifts and, uh, I did two days with Jason and Alex, uh, out at, one day with Alex out at Stanley skied under Copper Mountain and that was beautiful. I, I was really nervous all the way up. And then as soon as I was at the top of the pal, I was like, okay, I could do this. And those were your first turns back after uh, after that last injury, pretty much? Uh, they were the first, like, big, big turns back. Yeah. And everything feels okay overall? I think I'm, I'm going to live with some constant pain for a while, but uh, my mind knows what to do and my body is following. Sure. And then I think that'll be great, you know, being an instructor and and being able to go maybe a little bit slower here and there and, and get a lot of time on some snow to, to kind of build everything back up, uh, which is perfect. And, and you had mentioned earlier that you pretty much traveled all around the world 
skiing in tons of different countries and things. I mean, what if you had to pick a resort or a place to ski around the world, what's your favorite one so far that you've, you've skied? I would go back to Georgia and ski another area called Tetnuldi, which is up in Spanetti area. And uh, it's, per, it's hard to access, I think, nine hours on, on the road and possibly a plane ride if you're lucky. Uh, but you never know if they're going to fly. Uh, so I would head back there. And that's the place that you've been already uh, once? Yeah, I, w- I went there um, in October and got to just hike around. I didn't get to ski it, but I know I can tell that it'd be incredible. I mean, you see, you can see uh, Mount Elbrus from there. Oh, it's wow. Pretty, pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. As far as a resort uh, that you've skied at, uh, you know, somewhere here in the, in the world, uh, what would you, other than Mount Bachelor, which is, you know, the home mountain here now. Uh, where was a place that you really thought was was something special? Well, I skied La Grave for a week, and that scared the shit out of me. But uh, I survived, and I'd certainly go back there. There's a lot of lines that I'd like to ski there, but I still want to ski. Yeah, they do things a little bit differently in in Europe as far as uh, what you can ski and and what's what's available to ski, huh? Oh yeah, and La Grave, there's no signage. It's it's a national park with a tram to the top, and if you decide to ski, then it's up to you. <laughs> and I mean, do you have to get a guide or anything like that, or you just you get off the, you know, the gondola or the tram or the lift and and or hike to it, and, and away you go. Well, you take those very iconic trams, gondolas uh, that are mm-hmm. now gone, I believe. But uh, yeah, guides really recommended. I went over there to stay with a, a a friend of a friend, Joe Valone, who some Summit County friends had hooked me up with, and uh, he's a big guide over there. But he said he was busy taking Patagonia models out all week, <laughs> and uh, but he could find me people to ski with. And on the first ride, he did. He found me safe people to ski with. So I did that for my week, and and. Felt felt good, felt scared, but good, and uh, it was a blast. Like that's the place in Europe, in my opinion. That's awesome. And uh, for this upcoming season, are you going to be? You know, I guess maybe, hopefully, things will relax at some point and be able to really uh, travel. You know, other than some some car trips and things. But you know, what do you have planned for for this upcoming uh, ski season? Oh, I'll be at Bachelor a lot. I'll probably go up to Mount Hood whenever there's an opportunity. Uh, I, I want to ski Crystal. If my leg's feeling solid, I'd like to enter some of their free ride stuff. Mm-hmm. Like the basic, not not the not the real crazy stuff, but some of the basic stuff. And, uh, and are you talking ski ri- free ride uh, competitions or, or just, uh, yeah. yeah, free ride competitions? The, the qualifiers. Mm-hmm. And I think I, yeah, I saw somewhere, uh, you placed a top 10, uh, at a free ride tour. What, uh, just a couple of years ago. Yeah, I did after I did my ACL, but I was convinced by, um, Alex Nelson and Tracy Chubb and a girl named Lolo to go down and join them for that. And I got the, uh, the notoriety of being the oldest contestant. I was going to say, uh, I mean, yeah, we, you might be a year or two ahead of me uh, overall, but uh, about the same age. And, uh, you know, for the most part, that's, that's a, 
a little bit younger uh, demographic that's uh, entering those competitions, huh? Yep, yep. But, but I was like, hey, I'm coming down anyway. Why not? Uh, the line that they that everybody skied was too scary for me. So I asked if I could ski a different line, and they said, sure. <laughs> so I skied something a little more mild, but uh, that Beartooth is that's uh, steep. Yeah, I haven't been to uh, to Beartooth, Beartooth Basin uh, there in Montana, right? Yeah. That's awesome that uh, you entered anyway and, and went for it. And yeah, uh, yeah able to, to place top 10 there in that uh, competition, which is really cool. Uh, and now you're, you've also been you know, brand ambassador for, for a couple different uh, ski companies uh, over the years. And, and so tell me a little bit about that. What does that all entail? Yeah, that I started with uh, Faction and it was a friend, Rex Weirman from Summit County who got me on board with that and skied a bunch of their skis. And uh, then it changed hands from Rex to a guy named uh, Nate Pickens. And Nate picked up uh, Elon and asked me to stick around and represent Elon so I'm the local ambassador for Elon here at Mount Bachelor. Oh, great. So if somebody had some questions about uh, Elon skis, uh, if they could find you, then, then you'd be the one to talk to, huh? Yeah, and I can get them deals. <laughs> there you go. That's what everybody's looking for, it seems like, uh, in the ski world. Uh, so you, you figured out a way uh, overall to, to keep skiing all these years and, and uh, to make it happen. And and uh, Ashley, if uh, if somebody wanted to make a donation or if they wanted to get a little more information about the Leave a Trace Ski and Ride Foundation that uh, you started up, uh, how would they do that? Uh, they can find my website. It's uh, leaveatraceskiandridefoundation.org. Perfect. Well, hey, Ashley, uh, thanks for, for taking some time and talking with me here on the Talking Skiing podcast and then hearing some stories from from uh, some far off lands as uh, we're, you know, stuck in our houses for the most part here. So it's always nice to live vicariously uh, through somebody else. And if we're out uh, around Bachelor, we'll definitely uh, come looking for you. Absolutely. Hey, thanks, Ashley. Okay. You're welcome. And thank you. All right. I hope you enjoyed our chat with Ashley Taren. If you want to find out more about the nonprofit she has started up, you can go to leaveatraceskiandridefoundation.org. I'm Lenny Joseph, and once again, thanks for listening to the Talking Skiing Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Talking Skiing or on Facebook as well. If you like what you hear, make sure you leave a review, hit the subscribe button, and tell all your friends about the podcast. We'll do it again next week right here on the Talking Skiing Podcast.